0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is the second Sunday after the Holy Resurrection, after which the Church celebrates the Holy 50 Days. And as you know, um, Christ stayed with the Apostles for 40 days, then ascended up into Heaven, and 10 days after that, uh, He sent us the Holy Spirit in the Pentecost. So we eagerly wait for these upcoming feasts. At the same time, we're rejoicing in the Holy 50 Days now, the time of joy. This is that time that we live with the joy of the Apostles that stayed with Christ after His resurrection, and uh, He stayed with them, ate with them, and walked with them, teaching them what they would do afterwards. Um, We celebrate the beginning of this new life that we're about to uh, renew in our own lives, which um, was, of course, made possible by the resurrection. And this is the genius and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit working through the church fathers that organized the readings of the Sunday readings moving forward uh, in this holy 50 days, that focus on the presence of Christ in our lives, that focus on the presence of uh, Christ in the lives of the apostles and the disciples, but also in our own lives. And, as we show, um, and, uh, and to show us that our loving Lord gives us himself uh, to be with us and follow him into eternal life. Um, so the readings of today and the next three weeks all have this same kind of uh, emphasis, and it talks about the great I am's of the Lord. So today he says, I am the bread of life. Next week, I am the living water. The the week after that, on the fourth Sunday, I am the light of the world. And in the fifth Sunday, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the beginning of the journey to heaven, the journey itself, the nourishment along the journey, the light that makes the journey clear, and the destination of the journey. He is all in all in our lives. But today's reading about Christ being the bread of life is from the famous chapter 6 of the Gospel According to St. John, which speaks about the Eucharist. I'd love to give all of you homework. Um, if you can all read chapter 6 of the Gospel of St. John, John chapter 6. And um, it, it's a very important chapter regarding the Eucharist. So uh, next week there'll be a quiz. So be sure to read it. In a very It's a very rich chapter. It's uh, saturated with God's love and his providence and purpose for his coming in the flesh, and his purpose also for giving himself to us. Chapter 6 of the Gospel Corner of St. John includes passages that we read today, Uh, is one that you'll find very, very, very clear references to the Eucharist um, and its marvelous effect on the believer. The story and dialogue, of course, is in the context of Christ doing the famous miracle of feeding the five loaves, uh, feeding the multitude with the five loaves and two fish. And the people thought that they hit the jackpot. They thought, oh, wow, Christ is going to give us all the food we want. Uh, He's going to also deliver us from the Romans. He is the Messiah who's going to just... Give us all the worldly uh, desires and all the things that we need in this world, on this earth. Their eyes were fixed on the uh, like the physical food that we eat and the overthrow of the Romans who were occupying their land at the time. So Christ redirects their attention to more important food and more important uh, home that we have, which is in heaven, of course. <clears throat> and he says... Before the passage we read today, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. But they still insisted on this earthly food, trying to provoke him to some sort of competitive debate with Moses, saying, Hey, Moses gave us manna from heaven. What will you give us? And God did provide, of course, the manna for the Israelites during the 40 days. Um, that they uh, 40 years in the in the wilderness and they ate of this bread which um, in their words came down from heaven <clears throat> But it was just a regular type <clears throat> of Bread to nourish the body and those who ate of that manna eventually died right They're, they're still dead And <clears throat> the late later in that chapter Christ reminds them of that but he says that this is the, the but the true bread which came down from heaven he is the bread that will give life to the, the world. And he says, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So once convinced convinced of the superiority of the bread which comes down from heaven that gives eternal life, they said, Lord, give us this bread always. <clears throat> and Christ tells them that he, in very clear words, he is the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him, may have everlasting life, and He will raise Him raise us all up in the last day. Not just those who believe in Him, but those who see and believe in Him. And we see Him, of course, in the Eucharist on every Sunday. The manna came down from heaven was just a symbol of the true bread which would come down from heaven, which is God Himself, Uh, God who would come down and be incarnate and dwell within us on this earth. Christ would come down from heaven and give himself for us, dwelling, as it were, in the mud and slime, just like the man in heaven was, was on the floor when they picked it up. So when those around Christ asked, what more will they will he give us, as more than what Moses gave to the Israelites, and he did not disappoint because he gave himself. When we look at what happened last year here, you know, it's very interesting as we talk about this topic, uh, because I remember last year, uh, we were all like talking through Zoom, um, and we were not able to go to the churches, we didn't even have limited liturgies, and um, we were talking about this, and we were—I remember all of us groaning and desiring the Eucharist—and prayed for the churches to open back up again. It was a lesson for all of us not to take these things for granted. And it seems the apostles and the church fathers and the, those who came before us, when they assembled the liturgy, they knew not to take this amazing gift for for um, granted, with all of its grace and all of its blessings. Um, and even during the, per, like in times past, there were times when it was difficult to take communion, like during the pandemics and of the past or persecutions or other kinds of disasters, partaking of the Eucharist was challenging sometimes. So, contained in the liturgies, our prayers. Asking for the communion, it's not like we take it for granted, but we beg for it. We ask for the uh, the Lord to give us and make us worthy of the communion. It's a reminder that we're not worthy, and He gives it, of course, uh, to all of us through His grace and mercy, even though it's unwarranted and we are un- we're undeserving of it. So, as we slowly open back the churches, as you can tell today, we're starting. And this is like one of the first days we're trying to open back up cautiously. Uh, let that. Let that time of prayer and he, uh, for healing and also that groaning for communion, let that continue. Let's hold on to that. If we can gain anything from this year that has passed, let's gain that desire to keep the churches open. As we always, uh, when, when the priest closes the curtain, he says, Lord, grant that the, church may, um, that the gates of the church will be open from this generation and on to all generations. So we have to ask for it. We have to beg for it and not take it for granted. Though we walk on earth, let our dwelling be in heaven. Though we should hunger and thirst in this world, let's also hunger and thirst for that bread that God gives us, that that true bread from heaven, which is His own body and blood. And this, of course, is something that we should always long for and always hold on to. That we may continue to see the Lord In truth and be nourished by his body and blood, which is ever victorious against every problem and every sin um, in the long run. Of course, we know there's nothing but victory. So let's also make that commitment within ourselves that we never take communion for granted again. Uh, Let's come to as many liturgies as we can. We only... Um, We don't only have liturgies on Sundays, but we also have them on Wednesdays as well, plus all the other feasts that we have as well. But during the week, you know, uh, like we just had one on on Wednesday, the attendance was really uh, low. And I know people work and everything, but, you know, we, we can't help but to think that here he is on the altar with his body that was broken for you and for many. And few come to those liturgies. I understand if you're working, but if you're not and the kids are at school, why not come and, and, and encounter Christ who always gives us his blessings? Because he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Besides the rich theological foundations for the Eucharist in this chapter 6 um, of, of the Gospel according to St. John, it also shows us, shows us much more about his love for us and his giving himself for us and his acceptings for us. Um, God, the Gospel goes on to say that all that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me i will by no means cast out the fact that they have to come back to him though means that they were cast out in the first place and now they're coming back to him away they were once away we were once away from knowing him in faith and love from his joy his peace his security what caused us to be away from god in the first place the answer is always pride pride is the source of us being separated from god from Adam and Eve, we tasted of the same <laughs> cup of pride that Satan himself drank from when he was cast out of heaven. And likewise, they were cast out of heaven. In the beginning, And mother, uh, it is the, like pride is the beginning and the mother of all other sins. It is the doorway of all other sins. St. John Cassian says that pride is the most savage beast, fiercer than all the other sins, greatly straining the perfect, and ravaging with its cruel by those who are nearly established in the, perfect, in the perfection of virtue. It's a constant threat for those who are beginning in the spiritual life and those who are advanced in spirituality and have a great relationship with God. It is always there trying to knock on the door. But we know that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And he says, uh, Saint St. Uh, James says in chapter 4, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Pride makes oneself a playground of the demons because they see their likeness in that person because they are themselves prideful. And they know also that that those who are prideful are away from God's help and grace. So they're an easy target for them. This is the cause of being cast out from God's presence, the cause of Satan and his demons, the cause of Adam and Eve to be cast out. And then this is the way that we separate ourselves from God as well today. If we were cast out of his presence through pride, how do we go back in? Into his presence, of course, with humility. That's how we go in. St. Augustine, in his wonderful book, On the Confessions, which I encourage you to read, um, he wrote uh, saying, It is not by our feet or change of place that men leave you or return to you. It's not by change of physical location. It is by... The change of our heart I remember when we were praying in the parking lot there the Lord was he still was there with us if by pride we were cast out and it caused great distance to exist between us and God it's by humility that we come back and close that distance for he says I have come down from heaven just like the manna from heaven he has come down not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me he is the teacher of our humility coming down to our humanity like the manna, given, of course, to those complaining Israelites of those times. He came down and emptied Himself, and came down and and was on the floor for them to pick up. Likewise, He was incarnated, and He came in the flesh, and we find Him today in the lowly places. But he He Himself is our model for humility. He says, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For he is lowly in heart, and we, when we approach him, we must be the same. In Psalm chapter 36 and in the Bea we also read, In your light we shall see light. So in his humility, we encounter him who is humble and lowly of heart. is our Lord Jesus Christ. When we approach him like this, he never casts us out as we read in today's gospel. Only pride, our own pride, causes distance between us and God. We find him in humility. We find him in the manger. We find him on the cross. We find him as that symbol of manna descending from heaven, given to those undeserving and complaining Israelites, gathered on the ground in the wilderness. We see him now on the altar as bread, the humblest of foods, broken for our sake, that we may enjoy Him, because He gives Himself for us. But He will by no means cast us out, because He has come down from heaven to do the will of Him who sent Him, which is His Father. This He says, of course, to emphasize that there's no other will than the will of the God, and, uh, God the Father and the will of God the Son, that both are one, because they're both uh, of the same essence. That will is, um, of God is for us to return to Him. That is the will of Him who sent us, right? That we return to Him and that He uh, reconciles us. Our Lord Jesus Christ is that model for us to follow. If the Son of God, therefore, shows that level of humility for our sake, coming down from heaven to earth to dwell in the mud and slime where we are, um, and that He will accept us and not cast us out, we have to be the same with each other. We have to forgive one another. If our Lord Jesus Christ forgives us in in humbleness and love that he forgives us, how can we hold a grudge or or hold something against someone else? St. Cyril of Alexandria says, How can we open our mouths to offer songs of thanksgivings to one of such compassion and goodness? He puts far from us our inequities. And like a parent showing compassion to his children, the Lord has compassion for those who fear him for he knows how we were made. How then do we treat others whom we encounter, who seek our forgiveness? We should be the same as as well, of course. The Gospel goes on to say that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Those who approached him in humility shall be kept close to him. Those with pride shall be cast away from him. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last day. How do we see the Son? Only those who recognize Him in humility. We recognize Him in the broken bread on the altar. We recognize Him on the cross. We recognize Him in the lowliest of places. Those who do not know humility, they do not know humbleness, it's not part of their lives, they do not recognize Christ. They do not see Him, and it's hard for them to find Him. We, of course, know that famous story of St. Bishoy, I won't repeat it. But we know the famous story of St. Bishoy who was walking along the road. And this old man on the side of the road was asking for help. And many of them walked by him, not recognizing him in, in humility. But St. Bishoy, of course, because he himself was humble, recognized him right away when he carried him and saw the wounds of Christ. And he was able to see the Lord. So please be sure to go home and read chapter 6 of the Gospel of St. John. And may we all consider this amazing gifts that uh, he's given to us and never take them for granted, and that we may enjoy his presence in our lives, not only during these joyous uh, 40 days or 50 days uh, after we celebrate the resurrected Christ, but all the days of our life, even unto eternity, with him who gave himself to us, to whom we glory forever. Amen.